from sheisconference.org and Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania, you're listening to the She Is Community Podcast. Hello, wonderful friends. Welcome to another episode of the She Is Community Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie Stevens, and I am very excited to introduce you to this next episode of the podcast. On Friday, January 31st, Summit Church held a women's event called The Well. It was an amazing night with about 400 women in attendance gathering for community, worship, and teaching. So on this episode, you are going to hear from someone you all know and love, our women's pastor, Kim Massingale. Kim brought an amazing teaching on Jeremiah and his calling from God. I really can't wait for you to hear this powerful message. So grab a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, or even a cup of soup. Just get comfortable and get ready to listen to this episode, a recording of The Well. Tonight, I... I, um, when I was preparing for just what I wanted to say, um, there was a message that the Lord put on my heart back in the fall, and I shared it with another group of women at a women's conference in Lancaster. Normally, I don't pull out the same message again, but when I was praying for tonight specifically, the Lord just kept bringing this message to my mind. And, you know, when I look out and I see women of all ages from very young, young girls to um, older women, there's something that I see in common, especially here in America, and it's this ache to be known. It's this ache to be seen. And Unfortunately, our American culture has become one that known means to be famous. You know, our, our pull to be YouTube famous or to, to have the best TikToks or my daughters are going to be like, Mom, just stop. Um, <laughs> but I see, and, and you older people have no idea what TikTok is. You just get to know a junior higher and you will quickly find out. But... I see this ache, it doesn't matter how young or how old, this ache to be known, this ache to be seen. And so we want to be noticed, we want our family to notice us, we want our friends to notice us, we want those at school to notice us, and and we may not put ourselves out there, but, but we wanna be seen for who we are. But I think so often we put ourselves out there and we just continue to get hurt over and over and over again. Because to be known, ultimately that that hole, that desire was designed by God and God alone and to be filled by him and him alone. Because the fact is, is that no matter how much we are seen by humanity, No matter if we have a large platform or not, it is never, it will never fill the ache in your soul. It will only cause it to grow. And so tonight I wanna talk about the prophet Jeremiah. And um, and so often, and if you haven't grown up in church and on, you don't know anything about Jeremiah, that's okay. 
I'm going to explain a little bit about him, but back in the Old Testament, which are the first uh, set of books in Scripture, um, Jeremiah was sent as a prophet to the nation of Israel um, to bring condemnation on them, to bring them back into correction because they had just gone far, far away from God. They had created their own idols. They had begun to do crazy things. So Jeremiah was sent to be a prophet to them to bring them back to God. And so, so often uh, Christians quote the highlights of Jeremiah. If you've grown up in church for any amount of time, you will know for the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future. Like we like those scriptures, right? We like the feel-good ones that we can embroider on a pillow or put on a hand-scripted wooden frame in our house. So we look at Jeremiah and we see these key scriptures that are Christian famous, if you will, that we will put on every poster and every Instagram picture with a selfie of yourself, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, yes, Lord. I know. Girls, just stop. 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 I love you. Stop. Okay. Um, But the historical background of Jeremiah is that the book of Jeremiah is a collection of writings um, that were revealed through him, and it covers a 40-year span of time. So 40 years this book is covering, and some scholars believe that Jeremiah was probably around 17 to 20 years old at the time that this um, book comes into play, that, that this scripture comes into play. He was from a priestly family, and scholars believe that Jeremiah had a tender heart, that he wasn't this robust um, challenging person, but that he actually had a very gentle and tender nature about him. And I love this because God chose a gentle and tender-hearted man to do really hard things. He chose a gentle and tender-hearted man to call the Israelites into repentance. And so in Jeremiah 1.5, this is a scripture that, again, many of us have heard. We have spoken it over. There are pictures galore, um, painted, and so we have these statements around our homes, but I want to just bring it home for you today. And so it starts in Jeremiah 1, and we're going to read 5 through 10 and then 17 through 19, and it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah says, oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you, and don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth, and he said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And then 17 through 19, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. 
Don't be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land. The kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah, they will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. So known, set apart, chosen, it's what we all desire. And you can say you may not desire, but you do. You wouldn't be human if you didn't. You want to be known, you want to be seen, you want to be chosen. No one wants to be the last one picked. In Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nation. See, Jeremiah was not expecting to be a prophet. My daughter is 17, Jeremiah's age at this time, and I can just imagine if the Lord were to come to her and tell her these same things, she probably would have a very similar reaction to Jeremiah. Um, God, I'm not sure if you know it. I'm only 17, and you want me to bring correction to these people? Are you kidding me? So I'm just going to make you aware. Maybe you got me mixed up with somebody else, but I'm too young. He wasn't planning on being the one who spoke the words of God to the people of Israel, but God had planned Jeremiah's purpose before he was even born, before he was even thought of by his parents. And those same words that were spoken over Jeremiah are promises for you today. Because God doesn't make mistakes. He created all of humanity, every life that is born, that has breath in their lungs. He, he thought of you before you were born for his glory, to make his name known to bring glory to him. And so it wasn't something that God just said to Jeremiah just to make him feel good. This wasn't like a, oh, Jeremiah, he really needs a pep talk. Like, let's go tell him how good he is and chosen he is and how amazing he is. This wasn't like a moment in front of the mirror where Jeremiah was like, I am good. I am chosen. God appointed Jeremiah um, because he knew that Jeremiah would be humble enough and he would be gentle enough that God could use him and bring glory to him. See, God doesn't say you are called to stroke your ego. He doesn't say you are chosen to make you feel better about yourself. He doesn't want your ego to get bigger, in fact, We already have big enough heads, most of us. He knows we don't need that. He calls us for the good of others and the glory of God. The same is true for you and I. Before you were even in your mother's belly, he had thoughts of you or you would not be here today. He had thoughts of you. He knew everything about you. He knew Rachel would be born in Uganda and we would be born here in America. He had thoughts of Rachel before she was even born. He set her apart. It doesn't matter where you live 
or where you are born, if you are human, he has set you apart. He has thought of you before you were even breathed your first breath. See, um, I mean, I grew up just so consumed with wanting people to like me. I don't really know where it stemmed from, but I just remember at a very, very young age, I mean, I'm talking kindergarten, like having that feeling of, oh, the other kids, they're not not really like rallying around me like they are so-and-so. You know, I just remember like holding on to my mom's legs uh, before I would go to school, like her begging her not to take me. It's because I hated the feeling of entering a room and not feeling seen and not feeling known. It continued through my childhood and even my teen. Now, I wasn't still holding on to my mom's legs, begging her <laughs> not. That was like kindergarten, that's it, I think. But I just struggled so much with who I was who God created me to be. I grew up in church. I knew all the right things, but at my core, I so wanted my teachers to notice me. I so wanted my coaches to to tell me that, wow, Kim, you're the best player on the team. You know, I so wanted recognition from my parents and from boys and from my girlfriends. I just wanted to be noticed but I always felt like the last one picked. I always felt like the last one noticed or seen by my friends, by boys. I've told many of you before, my nickname in uh, high school by my friends uh, was named Swiss because Switzerland is a neutral country and they just said that I kinda just went along with the flow and I didn't really have an opinion about things. That's not really a nice nickname. Like, It just kind of reinforced to me that I really didn't have a purpose, that I really was a nobody. The ache that I had in my heart to be known, to be seen, to be chosen, I was looking for it in all of the wrong things and all of the wrong places. And I just feel like I'm supposed to declare over you today You are not the last one picked. Older women, you are not the last one picked. You have not been overlooked. You have not been forgotten. You are not the last one picked. You aren't part of the leftovers. See, it's different what society may say about us. People can be cruel. People can be mean. Women can be mean. Stop it. I always say to you, most of you come here to church because so I can shoot you straight. I'm tired of Christian women being mean. I'm tired of Christian women tearing down other women to make them feel better about themselves. Stop. We all have been given breath in our lungs because God chose to. And he, every single one of us in this room have not been forgotten, we've not been overlooked, we, have no, we are not part of the leftovers. My 
Worst fears ever were kickball at recess. I hated it. And it's like, you know, the captains picked the team. And even though I was an athlete, I was still not the most coordinated. Kickball, you have to be coordinated. So you soccer players, you you had kickball in the bank. But for the rest of us, not so much. And I just remember this fear would come over me as kickball time happened because I'm going to be the last one picked. Like, they're going to pick the elite kickball players first, the ones who will know when the game and the rest of us, we get picked because we are felt sorry for, right? Because they have to. But I think in life, many of us feel like we are in a kickball game. Maybe you feel that way by your spouse. Maybe you feel that way by your siblings. Maybe you have felt that way by your parents. So even though God in this story with Jeremiah, even though he just spoke some major truth over him, I mean, this is God himself audibly speaking to Jeremiah. I've never had that experience. Have any of you? But here's God audibly speaking to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah still isn't sure. He is still questioning if he's the right one for the job, if God's judgment is right on this, because he doesn't see himself as a prophet who can speak to God's people. He does not feel equipped. He is 17. And in Jeremiah 1, 6 through 10, it says, this is Jeremiah, and he said, Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I've put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. When Jeremiah says, oh, sovereign Lord, this is an expression of a deep feeling. He has great awe for God. He has great awe for the things of God, but he was young, and that's a fact. Jeremiah was a teenager, but God always picked the ones who didn't seem to fit the bill. He always picked the ones who didn't have the perfect resume. Moses, he picked him when he wasn't equipped. He had a stutter. Jeremiah was really young and inexperienced. And so even though I'm too young, even though Jeremiah's truth, his fact was I'm too young, although it's factual, it was irrelevant. See, God's truth prevails and he has the right to call and use anyone if they will listen and obey. And we see that over and over and over in scripture. So what are your excuses? I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not bold enough. I'm too much. I'm not enough. 
I'm too loud, I'm too quiet, I'm not married, I am married, I don't have kids, I have too many kids, I don't have a story, I have a story. I hear them all from you. I've said them all myself. Whenever God comes knocking on our door and says, this is what I want you to do, I want you to go be loved to that neighbor next door. We whip out our list, just like Jeremiah did, of why we can't, why we shouldn't. God isn't surprised by your personality traits. He gave them to you. Julia, I mean... Julie and Katie couldn't be more different. But I love them both to pieces because it shows like God's not surprised by either one of their personality traits that they bring both, both of them bring things to the table. He's not surprised by your current situation and where life has brought you right now. He created you with every gift and talent that you have. And our culture today is so caught up with celebrities. Right? Everybody wants to be a celebrity or know a celebrity. And the sad truth is, is even our churches today have become celebrity cultures. And we begin to think that if we don't have a large platform, then we have nothing. And that's not how the kingdom of God has ever worked, and it's not how it will ever work. It's not about the masses. It's about being faithful with who he has put in front of you right now. Because I will tell you, even if you want the masses, you're not going to get them if you're not faithful with the ones he's put right in front of you today. And if you want the masses, he's probably not going to give them to you for a while until you weed out some character things in you. See, Jeremiah was called to obedience, and we are too. I really felt when I was praying this morning specifically that I just had a word for some of you. And I felt like God showed me that some of you are begging God for a new season in your life. And you are begging him for the next thing and for your glory moment. Maybe it's not even your glory moment, but the moment that you'll be seen or or just the moment of deliverance. But... This doesn't apply to all of you, but to some of you. I felt like God showed me today that he cannot take you into that next moment until you are obedient with the last thing he told you to do. I strongly believe that there are people in this room, he has told you to end a relationship. I'm not talking about a marriage. He has told you to end a relationship, whether it is a very unhealthy friendship or an unhealthy relationship with a boy or a girl. And he has clearly told you, and you have begged him to take you on to the next season, but you refuse to end the relationship. He cannot deliver what you have not been obedient to. 
And I say that as, your, as a loving sister that has walked that road. He has called us to obedience. You have not been obedient in your job and doing things for the glory of God so he can't take you on to something else and give you more. Be faithful where you are. See, some some of you are just begging. But God is saying to you today, do the last thing I told you to do first. And then, and then you'll see the blessings come. Our call is to be obedient. God can't bless what you're not willing to give him, ladies. He can't put his stamp of approval on the things that we're not willing to give him. Obedience always precedes blessing. The reason Jeremiah was blessed was he obeyed. The second thing Jeremiah was called to do was to not be afraid. See, he had two reasons to be absolutely terrified. He was young, and the message that he had to deliver was not an easy or a flowery one. I don't know about you, I don't like conflict. It is not my favorite thing. So the idea that I would be called to the nations to correct them is absolutely terrifying. Some of you would absolutely enjoy it. You're like, sign me up, Jesus. I'll go make sure everybody gets their lives straight. And he's not going to pick you. That's, he's like, nope, I have enough wisdom to know. She's not getting the mic. <laughs> See, we all get scared when we're called to do something that is bigger than ourselves. We all get scared when God says, hey, this is the thing that I want you to go do. I want you to actually give your life to me. I want you to end that relationship. I want you to talk about Jesus to your friends. I want you to put down the wine. I want you to quit watching that show. I want you to... Be an example to your neighbor. I want you to go across the street and say hi to your neighbor. You were all afraid of something, but it's not about us. And here's what God promises he will do. He will reassure you in your calling. He will qualify and equip you. He will give you his presence. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He will give you the words to say. I hear that so often. Look, Kim, I don't know what to say. If I go up to them, what am I going to say? He will give you the words to say. He will strengthen you. He will take care of you. The 40 years Jeremiah was in ministry, it took that long to fulfill God's call in his life. And it was hard. It was not a job that I would sign up for. We want the easy jobs. We want the glamour jobs. The glamour is hard too. Any celebrity would tell you that. 
that we have to begin to look beyond wanting instantaneous results. So often we give up too quick and too soon because, oh, she said she didn't want to come with me to church. I tried. We're done. You know, like you invited her once and you just literally just handed her a card and walked away. We want those instant results and we're not willing to allow God to be God and allow him to strengthen us and allow him to give us the words to say. We have to look beyond our personal capacity and look to God at his abundant resources because it's not about us and it will never be about us. It will never be about you. And I get it that we want it to be about us. We want the glory. We want the applause. It feels good. But then when it goes away, we fall apart. See, it's all about bringing glory to God. He has given us everything we need. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. The thing that God has called you to is beyond your ability. And if you are functioning in your ability, you are living out your purpose and not God's purpose. Because the thing that God has called you to, you should be relying on God every single day for help. It should be beyond your strength, beyond your capacity, beyond what you can do in your own power. But we want to stay in our comfort zones. Well, because I have control here. I can control the outcomes here if I stay and stay comfortable We all know that life's short. Many of you know my father-in-law suddenly passed away in December. We hear the news of Kobe Bryant and all of those, the nine people dying on that helicopter. And the thing that keeps coming to my mind, we are all human, no matter how famous we are. And nobody in this room is as famous as Kobe Bryant, so <laughs> we'll set that straight. But we don't even come close in this room. But the thing is, is that we are all human. All of our days are numbered. I want to make my days on this earth count for something more than me sitting on a couch and watching Netflix. But right? I want to live my life for something more than, than gossiping about the girl next to me. I want to live my life for something more than being in constant relational conflict with people around me. I want to live my life for something more than the likes that I get on Instagram. I want to live my life for something more I want when my obituary is read to say that I impacted lives, to say that my life counted here on this earth, 
but can I tell you the difference between obituaries? The ones that didn't make a difference and the ones who did, the ones who did said yes. And they knew that God had called them to more than their capacity. They stepped into obedience and they lived their life for him and not for self. I want my life to count and it's never too late even when it's hard, and it will always be hard. What Rachel is called to (laughs) is hard. There are not many moms that I know that would move. I don't know if y'all know how far Uganda is. (laughs) A long way. How long does your flights take you? Just flights. Yeah, two days on a plane. She took a step of faith to say, this is what God has for me and my family so that I can go back and be a better mom and be a better counselor and a professor and change this nation for the glory of God. She left her kids and her husband to move here out of a step of faith. And I'll just be honest, I don't know if I would be that obedient. I hope I would. I hope if God said to do it, I would. And God's going to get them here. He's going to get them here, Rachel. Your family's going to be here with you. The thing that God has called you to is beyond your ability. Jeremiah 1, 17 through 19, God gives Jeremiah instructions after he calls him. And he says, get up, prepare for action. Go and tell them everything I have told you to say. Do not be afraid of them or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured. Like an iron pillar or a bronze wall, you will stand against the whole land. The king's officials, priests, and people of Judah, they will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. There's something when I read those words, I, the Lord, have spoken. It's like, it is done. What I have just said over your life, it is done. And so there are four directives in this passage that are our responsibility. So first, we get a call from the Lord to do whatever he's called us to do. But then our responsibility is, number one, to get up. So often we hear him tell us what we need to do, the next step that we need to take, but we choose to sit and continue watching Netflix. He tells Jeremiah, okay, step number one, get up. You have to get up in order to move, correct? The second thing is prepare for action. Get your clothes on. Get dressed. Get ready. The third thing is go out. See, I love that God has to give him these steps because he has to do that with me often. Okay, Kim, step number one, stand up. Step number two, put on your clothes, wash your face, your hair. It's day seven, time to wash your hair. (laughs) 
Okay, Kim, now you're dressed. Good. Step number three, walk out of your house. Right? Go out. Step number four, say what I tell you to say. Step number five, don't be afraid. He's telling you the same things today. I don't know what he has spoken to your heart. It may seem small, but it matters. And so whatever he's put on your heart today, you take these action steps. We have this like hierarchy of who is the most chosen in our society, right? If you are a clerk at Sheets and God has called you there, follow these steps. Is it maybe the mean people you're encountering every day that you're supposed to impact their life? Maybe you're an Uber driver and you're dealing with drunk people all the time. But maybe God's called you to be light to them. Maybe God has specifically put a neighbor next door to you. And so often we dismiss that as just happenstance. But what if God had them move into that apartment or to that house specifically to encounter you? But we don't get up. We don't walk across the street. Even when you don't know what to do, every follower of Jesus is called and purpose to do this. And it's in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I have the worship team go ahead and come up. I know some of you in here, you might not know Jesus at all. And you've been really confused this whole night so far but you felt something different the first time you walked in here. And that's God's presence. I need God's presence in my life. I can't and I don't want to do this life without him. It's way too difficult. So maybe tonight your first step of obedience is just giving your life to him. And maybe you've just been digging your heels and refusing because you want to live life on your own terms. Some of you have been extremely gifted by world standards. But if you're not using your giftings to point others back to Jesus in some way, somehow... If other people, if all they see you do is taking the glory for yourself and not pointing back to him, 
then you're misusing your gifts. Because every gift and talent he has given you is to make his name known. Maybe you are a doctor or an attorney or maybe you have status in our city. But if you're not using your gifts and your talents to bring glory to God and point other people back to Jesus, you're misusing your gifts. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you feel like you are absolutely drowning and no one sees you, no one notices you. You have little humans that you get to declare life over every day. Don't belittle this moment. I used to hate it when people would say, Kim, they grow up so fast. When Abby was four, I'd be like, this is never gonna end. <laughs> Life at four was miserable for mom. Not always, she was so darn cute, but. I hated people for telling me, Kim, it's gonna go away so quickly. Like, no, it's not. Be quiet. You don't know. And now she's about to leave. And I'm thinking through literally every night, what have I not taught her? What do I need to teach her before she moves to Texas and goes to Bible college? What are the things that I need to equip her to do? If you are a mom, you've been gifted with kids. Speak life over them. Speak truth over them. Maybe you're a student. I get how hard it is. I see the pressures that you face in junior high, high school, and college. I was there once, and it's even harder today. Maybe God's given you influence on social media and you have a big following. But is it terminating on you? Or are you using your platform to bring glory to God and push people towards him? Or are you using your platform for harmful things? Maybe you're in relationships that you think that, well, this is as good as it gets. But God's step, calling you to step out into more. I don't know what your situation is today. And I can't tell you what you have to be obedient to. Only you and God can have that conversation. But I do believe that each and every one of us have something we are to be obedient to. And when I think about 2020, and when I think about what I want for the women of this community, the last thing I would want is for 400 women to gather in a room and then to walk out the doors and do nothing with it. That's the last thing I would want. But what if 400 of us said yes to God in whatever thing he is asking us to do right now, even if it's hard? 
and we went out and we got up and we got dressed and we spoke the words he wanted us to say and we weren't afraid because he was with us. What if all 400 of us made the decision to do that? What could happen? I long to see change happen, but change can't happen without every single person in this room doing their part. There's no one person that is that powerful to change a community. But if every single one of us said yes to whatever God was asking of us, can you imagine? Can you imagine if the day that, that you died, that at your funeral, people would be standing up saying, this is how she made a difference in my life. This is how she impacted me. What if every one of us lived our lives that way? I wanna invite you all to stand. And what I feel like the Lord just wants us to go into right now is just a moment where you ask God, God, what is, well, first, is there anything in my life that you've asked me to do that I have not been obedient with? And ask him, I did that with myself this morning. God, is there anything that I haven't been obedient with that you've told me to do recently? And then you just say yes to that. Maybe you can't resolve it. Maybe that thing is gone and done and you can't fix it. Then ask God, what is the next thing that I can say yes to God? Because for some of us, We can't go back, right? We can't go back and fix some of the things. But what I want you to do right now in this time of worship is I want you to ask God, God, what am I supposed to be obedient to right now? And maybe for some of you, it is saying yes to Jesus for the first time and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that But right now we're going to have a moment of worship and then I'm gonna come back up. But your job right now is just to ask him, what am I supposed to be obedient with right now? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Our hope and prayer is that what you heard today is something that you will take with you and remember. Ladies, Kim and I have some great episodes planned that will be released soon. But in order to stay up to date, be sure to subscribe so that you'll be notified when they come out. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.